0: To the Megan Walrod Show. I'm your host and I am delighted to bring to you season two Brave Women, Brave Living. You are in for some juicy, inspiring conversations. So dive in, enjoy, then afterwards come on and continue the conversations in our private Facebook group. The link is in the show notes. I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for tuning in. Now let's go already. Hello, Monica. <laughs> I'm so happy to be Hello, with you Hello, Megan. So <laughs>
1: nice to see you, too, to have this conversation.
0: Oh, to get to see you again after it's been a few years. And so just for our listeners, I'm Megan here on the West Coast, and we're with Monica, founder of Girl Up Initiative of Uganda, coming to us today from outside of the capital city of Kampala. <laughs> We've been talking about... Brave living and what it really takes to be brave. And I invited Monica into this conversation with me today because she's one of my heroes and she is pioneering and leading a movement in Uganda, in Eastern Africa. And really, it's got roots in Uganda, yet there are ripple effects around the planet with the work that you're doing. And so I was really excited to bring you to our listeners and be in this conversation about leadership and bravery and what it takes to really pioneer a movement that's real, like real, like on the ground, making an impact with so many people's lives. And so thank you for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, such an honor. And so I want to introduce you a little bit officially to our listeners in case they haven't met you before. So Monica is the executive director and co-founder of Girl Up Initiative Uganda. And Girl Up, in case you're not familiar, their vision is a gender equal world where girls thrive and lead. And they've been on a mission to build a vibrant movement of girls and young women through transformative leadership sexual and reproductive health education, and skills development. And Monica herself, we'll get into her story some today. She went from growing up in the slums herself to then going on to receive a bachelor's degree in adult and community education from the best university in Uganda. How do you pronounce it? Makere? Makere University. Makere University. And then she went on to receive her master's degree in education, gender, and international development from the University College of London. And she's gone on to be an Obama Africa Leader Fellow, Perennial Fellow, Chords Fellow, and African Visionary Fellow. And what this bio doesn't share with you, but we're going to get into today, is The generosity of spirit that I've seen from Monica and her her commitment to keep going through all the challenges and all the odds to grow this organization, grow this dream team that is navigating through all kinds of barriers and obstacles in Uganda to create more opportunities for girls and boys and more that weren't there when she was growing up. So Monica, welcome welcome
1: welcome thank you very much for that elaborate (laughs) you know about myself I think I enjoy it when someone else is reading my bio because it helps me acknowledge my journey and it gives me this sense of humility Mm. and gratitude because sometimes we forget a few milestones that we should be proud of so thank you for for doing that
0: Yeah. I'm happy to remind you of these really big milestones. And, and I know that so many opportunities that you've created for yourself by being this stand for yourself and girls and women, especially, and yet, and I know that one of the big pieces of the work that you do with adolescent girls is supporting them and finding their voice recognizing they have ownership over their bodies. And yet there was a time, I'd love to share a bit about your story about growing up. You weren't taught these things. You weren't taught that you had a voice. Can you share with us a bit about what it was like for you to grow up in the slums of Kampala? Like what was that actually like day in and day out?
1: So growing up in the slums of Kampala as a child, Uh, was a bittersweet experience. Of course, as a child, you love to play with your peers, different games that we went out to play in the fields, uh, the different shows that were designated to us as children. But of course, on the other side of life, I would tell that it was really a tough childhood. And uh, sometimes as a child, you may not have the words to name it, but as an adult, then you're able to recognize what actually it was and give it names. And that's what gives me even the comfort to share about it. So for me, growing up was bittersweet. Yes, I had enough time to play around. I had great peers, but again, I was navigating struggles of growing up as a girl, where I chose, uh you know designated to you as a girl the expectations generally of you being a girl are much higher than that of the boy and of course the expectations here are in regards to what happens to you uh will you get pregnant while in school um will you be married off will you get a man to marry you and yet the expectations to the boy child was Will it be a strong heir to the family? So all those expectations define or kind of give some kind of direction on how your own family raises you as a child. And so I grew up in this community that had limited access to resources in terms of whether it's water, education, and just painting a picture of Islam. Islam is one of those communities that has limited of everything. The drainage system isn't the best. The healthcare could be horrible, for lack of a better word. Uh, the education system is really a tough one, where you find that it's only children of the underserved that go to those schools in the slum populations, and of course they are public schools, not private schools. I mean, so you can only imagine navigating, you know, an environment that is limited in everything, but again, having to navigate your own family that has limitations of you or are trying to put you in a stand box just because of your gender as a female. And so for me, it was a bittersweet one, And uh, but I'm still grateful that within that journey, there are things that I learned as a child that have shaped the way I think, the way I do my business, that have shaped my bravery. I know that sometimes, braveness comes from the most difficult experiences and situations i know there is a saying out there that says that um sometimes being strong may be the only option that you have i mean and i think for me growing up as a child i think being strong being brave and just recognizing the spaces i could utilize to move forward is all that i had and i think for me it defines my like unending desire to make sure that I continue to build a movement where girls are valued that anytime, anywhere, any day, I'm very connected to this work of ensuring that I'm building together with the whole world, a a vibrant movement where girls can live and thrive. And just looking at their social economic, Uh, challenges and just seeing what do we do to be able to address can we offer spaces where girls can actually speak for themselves can we offer platforms where girls are inspired and encouraged to keep moving because definitely it's a tough world where I'm coming from with limited life choices but sometimes using the limited resources to pivot forward is the only option that they have so that's a bit about my growing up in Islam. And I think that's where my courage, my bravery, my leadership starts from when I was a child.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And I got to visit some of the areas when when I, one of the things I'm realizing is I, I haven't yet shared that with, I first met Monica in 2017, 2018, when I got to live in Uganda for six months and I went there to volunteer with Girl Up Initiative Uganda and meeting you and the team and the girls and getting to tour some of these areas where the girls were growing up and hearing their stories of what it was like, like it was a real eye opener and heart opener to recognize that, like the conditions that you're describing and the truth of it, the both and bittersweet challenges and these moments of just like fun and play. And I remember just getting to walk up and down the street where I was living at the time and the kids and the play and the joy on their faces and the laughter and the challenges like the both. And so thank you for speaking to that. And what, what would you say was one of the lessons you learned? Like, I know you're speaking of strength and bravery and you just kind of, you keep going and yet What was one of those core lessons you learned that has shaped the leader that you've become?
1: I think some of the lessons that I've learned is that leaders never quit. Mm. Uh, It's just recognizing once a leader, always a leader. And for me, leadership doesn't mean having names of positions. I think leadership is the self and just the accountability that you give yourself The courage you give yourself, the motivation you give yourself, being able to wake up in the morning and telling you that no matter how hard yesterday was, today is going to be better. For me, that's leadership, and it starts from the self. And I'm one person who believes that you can't serve from an empty cup. So Mm. it's important that you refill yourself with those leadership values and just saying, this is it, and then you're able to share that with the world around you. So, so many lessons, but also the other is around that um, sometimes, and I know this is also out there, that uh, sometimes we may not have control of where we start our journeys from, whether it's in leadership, whether it's in terms of family, whether it's in terms of birth and all that, But we definitely, along the way, can shape the narrative that we want for ourselves. We can shape the direction we want for our lives. So we have the full ability and potential to redirect where we need to go. We have Mm -hmm. all the power within us. And it starts by you believing in yourself, having accountability, having that integrity. I mean, all these values of leadership then you're like you know what this is this could have been my story growing up in very challenging environments but this is the future that I'm going to work towards and I'm one person who believes that it never comes that easy I mean we all have to put in the work like every other day you keep improving yourself to make sure you're a better version of yourself and I also believe that um that um, the day you stop learning is the day you stop having a fruitful life. Because I believe there is so much that we learn every day. And that's why I recognize the gift of being able to listen. Because sometimes we are just talking and talking and talking and talking, but we never stop to listen and reflect. So even just having a moment to listen, listen to this podcast, there could be something very eye-opening that you probably have never thought about, especially for young women in this other part of the world, you know, there could be just something that inspires you to keep going. And you're talking about heroes. Sometimes we have been heroes, that, those that we've met, but there are so many that we've not met. And sometimes they don't even realize that their words of inspiration is what has kept us going. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. there's so much I've learned yeah. in, this, yeah. in this life that... I'm grateful for, but it's just, again, as I conclude on this, it's just having that inner courage, inner motivation, speaking life to yourself, because no one is going to speak life to you. You're going to speak life to yourself. The positive affirmations, and even when it's really rough, you tell yourself, this too shall pass. I think for me, that's one of my mantras. I always feel that life can never be like a straight line. There are definitely corners. And uh, during those times when you're having those corners around, just keeping your eyes open and saying, this is just a phase, the other chapters will come. So that positivity helps us navigate through even very difficult situations. Sometimes you're like, oh my goodness, how did I even go through this? It's that positivity within you that keeps you going.
0: mm mm-hmm. Yeah, I I love what you're speaking to. And I'm appreciating this, like leadership isn't about a title or a role. It's that relationship with yourself and how you're choosing to view yourself and the world and the story and the way you're interacting with it. And I know that for you, one of the big gifts, like there's the both that comes from within And there's also the power of mentorship. And I know that during your journey through education, there was a point where you were like, why aren't I getting this resources? Why aren't I getting the materials? And your dad said, well, basically it's your brother that we need to focus on, not you, because you're going to get married off. And yet something really shifted for you in secondary school. And can you speak to that about what really supported you in your life shifting and your way of being able to grow your leadership?
1: I think for me, mentorship from other women, for me, I think was the starting point because as a girl where, where everyone feels like a boy is more important in a school, for example, where I keep saying this story, but I really struggled to have shoes. That's why I yeah. have so many pairs of shoes <laughs> in my current life.
0: Tell us about that, though. I get it. Like, I don't get it, but you
1: didn't have Whenever I travel, I'm like, I need to get a pair of shoes because <laughs> I really had my, my own pair of shoes when I was about 13 years. So... And All the other times up. I would wear my brother's yeah. shoes. It, it's really one of those painful experiences. Now that I'm a mother, I'm like, mm. okay, how did this even happen? And sometimes that's the point where you start to lose your voice, yourself, your self-esteem, and you begin to feel worthless. But when you meet a teacher who instead sees a star in you and, and she acknowledges and says, I think you're a leader, I think you're good. I mean, the power of a mentor can never be underrated in changing how we perceive ourselves. Yeah. Because sometimes when you're dealing with so much, you 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 can hardly recognize your successes or what you're good at. Yeah. So sometimes when someone stops and says, hey, I really love your courage. Hey, I love your leadership style. Hey, I love that you're like, wow, I, I didn't realize that. So for me, my game changer was my teacher that told me you're brilliant. I think you're a great leader. And so in my secondary school life for the older six years, I was a leader. And that's where I got the opportunity to practice my leadership and, and just be myself. And um, yes, for some reason, I knew that I was born a leader, but we all need environments to cultivate that leadership. Yeah. you know. And for me, my teacher gave me that opportunity, but just the belief and saying, you can do that. I mean, that changed so much about my trajectory. To this date, I honor my teacher. she's now an old woman I'll go and check on her when I get my paycheck once now I'm like you know what I I just sent you some money because I really appreciate that she was this one person who helped me tap into recognizing my strength and life has never been the same again
0: yeah Yeah. yeah I remember you sharing this story with me you know several years ago when I was there with you and just the the ways that she, like these leadership skills and your gifts for speaking and music and singing and community. And I remember you telling me how she said to you, people love you, like people connect with you. And like my sense is that was a whole different way of seeing leadership that in school, it's kind of like, well, maybe you didn't do so well in math or this or that. And yet these are skills that are, leadership skills. And and so just seeing your own innate gifts, recognizing them as leaders, leadership skills, and then having those cultivated, just huge. And and that becomes the work that you do, like the mentorship through Girl Up. And I know I'm kind of fast forwarding and yet I just can so appreciate that you receiving that changed everything for you. It allowed you to then get offered that position with university with school in London, like I remember the story too of like your parents seeing your name in the newspaper as someone who is going to, what was that they like? They didn't
1: believe it. They that Back then, back in the day, as students who were admitted to Makira University, which is the best university in Uganda, uh, their names got printed in the national bulletin. And so my name was printed at having made it to go to university and my parents were like, is this the same thought of ours? I mean, I mean, my parents really never thought that I would be that smart, but I really outsmarted them and their thoughts and opinions. <laughs> yeah. I really outsmarted them on that. But yeah, I mean, that's what happened.
0: What was it that had you want to stay in Uganda? Like, you could have gone anywhere. You had doorways open. Uganda is a lovely country. I oh, love,
1: I love my country. it. I love it. Yeah. I love my country. I, I love my culture. I love our traditions. There is so much to be grateful for in Uganda. We, we, Uganda definitely struggles with so much, just like any other country. And for me, it was about the passion and the love that I have of uplifting another girl and woman. If I'd gone abroad and lived abroad, it would be great, but I don't think that I'll have fulfilled my purpose. Mm. And sometimes it's not about the fancy job, it's not about the paycheck, it's just about that contentment in your heart. Honestly, these days, even on a bad day, a girl walk up to my office and she's just so grateful for the mentorship, for the support. And the fact that she's in school, she's kept in school, Up Initiative Uganda supported her throughout the process. And a girl just walks up to her and says, coach, I just want to say a prayer for you. Mm. I mean, no one can repay that. No amount of money can repay that. Sometimes when I get rejections from potential funders, I keep telling myself as a spiritual woman that God, make it happen elsewhere because Mm -hmm. these girls need to stay in school. You know, all these girls, 2,400 girls enrolled in the program have to stay in school. They need to get this mentorship. We need to make sure we save more lives. We have to get more girls graduate out of school. I'm like, if if this particular funder isn't interested, at least open the door for another because the lives of these girls are at stake. Yeah. So as if I'm working in some fancy office, I'm working right on the ground, looking at the realities of life head on. So for me, staying in this country is because I feel that I'm one of those that have to effect change that I want mm-hmm. to see.
0: Yeah,
1: I definitely love to travel. And when I travel, I will enjoy every nice, loving opportunity with the global world. But after a while, I'm like, see you. I need to go and do my purpose. So for me,
0: yeah.
1: it's about that enrichment that that you feel like, wow, this is, these are the footprints. I actually tell people that when I transition out of this current role and do probably high level work just for Gallup without doing operations, I want to be able to see my footprints quite clearly and mm-hmm. say, yes, I was able to do that. I was i don't do it alone i'm like together with the team that worked yeah. these years we accomplished this we, i mean that is some sense of gratitude that you can't repay with money because i've also met people who have lots of money but they could be depressed they could mm-hmm. be struggling they, they are not happy yeah and here i am saying yeah i'm working in the grassroots and as i fulfill my mission my purpose it just gives me life itself yeah And I definitely recognize that there's so much that other countries have, which is so comfortable, but probably I'm that one person that has to lead that change that I want to see. Yeah. So that's why I'm still doing this work here.
0: Yeah. I'm so glad you are. And it's so impactful. And you speak about purpose and faith and these seem like really important qualities and, more than qualities that have just really supported you in showing up every day and continuing Mm -hmm. to keep forward. Like this sense of like, when did the purpose, that sense of purpose, was that with you as a young girl? Did that get developed? Cause I, I think purpose, purpose can be one of those things that people spend their lifetime trying to figure out like, what is my purpose and what am I here for? And like, you just knew, you just knew, didn't you? I did. I think sometimes as people, we complicate
1: purpose. But I believe that purpose builds on with time. Mm. and, And the different versions of us shine a light on the kind of purpose you want to achieve. Of course, as you grow and evolve, your purpose changes. But I want to believe that you sow the seed right on. And it's something that you work towards day in, day out as you refine it. And I know that for all social leaders around the world, there is just something about themselves, either the experiences or experiences of their families, their friends that ignite a certain kind of purpose and drive in them. In the beginning, when they start to channel their energies to this, it may look blurry, Mm. so, As they work and work towards, it becomes clearer. That's why I'm saying that um, the seed of purpose is sown much earlier than you think. Only that sometimes you can actually only put a finger on it after you've lived the life. You're like, by the way, I think this is what ignited me as a child. I don't think there is any great leader that doesn't connect with their experiences to what they are doing right now. There is, and I think that's where I drive my energy, my courage, my bravery, because there's just something about my upbringing, my childhood, my story that keeps me going because it connects to my soul. Mm -hmm. So it's not something that I just jumped to do as a bandwagon. If you realize people would jump on things as a bandwagon, they will definitely reach a point and say, I don't think I'm connected to this anymore, mm-hmm. which is okay. But if that thing was sown, that seed of purpose was sown even as a child or as a young woman, as an adult, you'd definitely be able to tell that trail and say, okay, this was it. Only that I didn't know that it was it, but. Time gives you the opportunity to, to, to look at it more clearly. So I feel that purpose is definitely ignited. Then we nurture it. The, the different
0: versions of us nurture it along the way. Yeah, yeah. I love this. I'm seeing a sense of a garden, and <laughs> the seeds and how they they're cultivated and they bloom. And I'm remembering, too, the story about... You and Kim Wolf, the co founders of Girl Up, and how back in was it 2013 2012 when 2012 when you two met and had this idea? And maybe you can share the story about the hundred dollars and like look (laughs) at what that's talk about a seed that like at the time, Yes. yes. Yeah. Again, thank you to-
1: for saying that because for us it was a seed and it was a purpose. Yeah. Of course, we saw it like, you know, we're just doing this, but 10 years down the road, you're like, wow, we were sowing it. Here it is. The movement is alive. Yeah. That's why I believe that purpose is sown, but sometimes you don't actually put a finger to it. So the story of Gallup starts with um with the three. Amazing souls, myself, Kimberly Wolf, who is a who is a young woman from Santa Barbara who was volunteering in Kampala at that time. And of course, a friend of ours, Syed. And these two friends of mine took me out to celebrate my birthday in 2012 uh, on a glass of wine. And so as we're celebrating my birthday, I told them that now that I'm 25, I want to make sure that by the time I'm 30... One, I'm self-employed. I have an organization. And of course, Kimberly coming from a funding space because she previously worked for a funding organization. She was quite skeptical. She was saying that uh, it's really a tough world raising resources. On the other side, Saida, colleague, was saying, let's see how it goes. And that was the evening. So I told them that um, I come from this slum community. This is my passion. I would love to be able to do some work in the slums to empower girls, to to give them social skills. And again, I I used to work for a nonprofit that really worked with older women, but I had two jobs at the time. I had a day job Monday to Friday for that nonprofit that worked for much older women in the women's movement here in Uganda. Then I had a weekend job that worked with girls and I was hired as a, a facilitator. So I used to work Monday to Sunday, but in different spaces. And so by doing this work, I really got connected to it. And as like, I can actually do this version of work with adolescents. And that's where reflections of my childhood were reignited. Because as I grew up navigating that space, questioning myself, Having gone to university, I was able to name my struggles as being able to navigate patriarchy, Mm -hmm. which is really about growing up in a male-dominated space and having to endure all the negative consequences that come with power and privilege of patriarchal environments where boys and men are seen as a superior gender to women and girls. And so, for me everything just came together and I told them guys I want to do this in the slum community so Kim finished her internship period and she's like okay if you're really serious about this this is a hundred dollars that she left me with so I will say she was our first funder <laughs> that she left me me with and I began to facilitate these conversations in school I started with one school we had 50 girls and I would go to that school every weekend and just spend time two hours, three hours with the girls. And I did this as part-time for like three years. All that mattered was me going to the schools and encouraging girls. But remember at this time, I I still had the other job. So I treated Gallup as um, a passion, you know, something that you do out of your work because it reconnects to your soul. Little did I know that I was actually building a movement. Little did I know that I was actually establishing an organization that became attractive to those on and who appreciated it from afar. So in 2015, I decided to leave my job and decided to give Gallup Initiative Uganda my full attention. And again, that's one thing that I've learned in business is that sometimes certain things take long to to take off because we don't give it 100%. Mm. We are always sacrificing, having excuses, and not really following the dreams of our hearts. So you're like, I'll I'll do it, I'll do it. So 2015 was the year, I was like, you know what, enough is enough. It's either now or never, Mm. and I definitely had to start this movement with just one staff who was the security guard and then I did the, the work then I got some university interns I mean one thing led to another we are fully fledged organization right now working with adolescents in both Kampala and the Eastern region of Uganda so it's central region and Eastern region of Uganda we've impacted over 100,000 uh-huh. girls, women, men, and community structures, leaders, name it. And for me, it just reaffirms the, the power of just a seed and just working towards it to, to, to as you follow your purpose again. Because I yeah. probably would have given up along the way because sometimes this work is exciting. Sometimes it's very challenging. One, it's very challenging to keep programs running because the community expectations are quite high. Mm -hmm. Everyone wants a program in their area, and yet you can't really go everywhere as you're looking at the quality of the programming. So Gallup has grown beyond passion to an institution that has systems, structures, teams. Oh my goodness, it's a 360 roller coaster that I'm super grateful for. But again I've done this with a team. Currently we are a team of about 30 wow. young people uh, and majority are in the ages of 25 to 30 working I mean all the time to make sure that this movement is alive. We serve communities. COVID was such a setback but also an opportunity for us being able to pivot our programming through the pandemic and for us going through the pandemic gave us assurance that we are on track with our work because most mm-hmm. organizations where I come from in Uganda close, or they run out of business. And for us, it was just a realization that social issues are here to stay. People need services, the issues keep changing, but the mm-hmm. issues, the, the priority of issues keep changing, but the issues still stay the same. Like there's just so much to do that, you can't say we are closing business. There is no closing business Mm -hmm. in this space. So just being able to pivot through that with a team, again, talking about bravery, I think that's one of the highest, like Mm -hmm. that was one of the biggest examples of being brave because none of us knew where we're headed to, but we just had hope, courage, and optimism that uh, let's keep going, let's not quit, let's keep serving. And here we are. We we came out of it even much stronger than we were.
0: What a journey. Wow. I mean, and I know it continues and just tracking this, the seed of $100 blossoming into this garden, the tending to it first the weekend. And then it just like, and it happened by the time you were 30, right? You turned that dream into a reality. So There was that. And then And then navigating through the pandemic when so many organizations just, you know, closed and the world closed down. And was there a moment during those months or that stand out to you to share with us that give us a glimpse into what that was like on the ground for you all in the midst of pandemic life, like finding, like, it's kind of like the grit and the grace is what i hear yeah. it's like that grit of just like we got to keep going and the moments when you just don't know how like what kept you going i think reflecting on those times uh
1: what kept us going was the fact that people needed services people needed meals so we 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 kind of shifted our program programs into humanitarian work being able to provide families with medicines, providing girls with sanitary wear, providing families with food, because I mean, the economy was was shut down, families were going hungry, being able to provide our girls with psychosocial support. So just keeping on phone and counseling and just telling them to hang in there, and I remember in the second year of COVID, I, I contracted COVID.
0: Mm.
1: And uh, when I contracted COVID, 15 other staff were tested positive for COVID. So it was like half of the team. And for me, it was like, wow, this is what it means to be a frontline worker. Mm. So for me, a yeah. frontline worker didn't just mean a medical person. It even meant us who were on the ground, making sure that communities were safe, that our girls were safe. We exposed ourselves in the spirit of service above self. And here we were. And here we were, I mean, having to isolate ourselves, take care of ourselves. I definitely feel that um, I'm alive today because of the blessings and the prayers Mm -hmm. of people who have crossed paths with me. I think being a spiritual woman, I think they were like, please, God, this, this lady is on a mission. Please make sure she's well. Yeah. Because I remember that time so many people passed on, so many. And of all the team members, I was my, my case was a little critical and everyone was worried. Everyone was like, mm-hmm. what, what is the worst that can happen? But I'm really grateful that even just knowing that I represent so many, I lead so many, I inspire so many, it gave me the courage to fight. It gave me the courage to make sure that I exercise, I follow the doctor's prescriptions, I keep the hope alive. Even when I would just hear ambulance sirens all over the place, I'm like, that's them, that's not me. I'm good to go, mm-hmm. I'm well. It, it took me through that, but again, Coming out of it, I was a bit broken, Um, my energies. It it took me about three months to really recover and get back to my my older self that was vibrant. But again, I come from a space of gratitude and saying so many people didn't make it, I'm here. There is a bigger purpose for my life right now and i was like yeah let's figure it out how we move forward and just seeing that even for our existing supporters and funders they recommitted and said gallop we commit to continue supporting you others gave us multi-years for me it was just gratitude overwhelmingly even our budgets increased during the pandemic and you're like wow this is such a blessing that doesn't
0: happen to everyone yeah so glad you're here on the other side of that and the the prayers and the faith and the support. And I'm curious, you know, we've talked about this, a vision at 25 to have an organization by 30. And I'm wondering what vision ahead, what dream you have now that you'd be willing to share with us that we could envision it coming into fruition with you and for you.
1: Yes. So I do have bigger dreams and I know that these dreams sometimes are scary, but if they are not scary, then they are not big dreams enough. So Gallup is 10 years now and I think for me, my bigger dream is that in the next decade, we should be able to scale up our work um, beyond Uganda in the region, in the world. Already, we have partners that engage us globally, partners that work with us on different advocacy issues on the globe. But we want to be that brand name that is loud and clear, championing the rights of girls' education in the world. Uh, And for me, I just want to look back and say, yeah, we started this with a few like-minded people. Yeah, we had teams and teams of those who joined us, including you, Megan, I know. (sighs) during your time, I think you're one of those volunteers that left a mark, Mm -hmm. you know, working with us for the six months, putting a book together. I know there's one fund of ours who has supported us over the years. And this, this, this past month when I was meeting her, she was telling me about that book that you authored together with the girls. And she's like, I read these stories in the book and I can just see the bravery and the courage of these girls. And Mm. I'm like, wow, this work has to continue. So just to appreciate everyone else who has walked this journey with us those who have cheered us on those who have believed in and and just saying you guys, those who have said a prayer for us, those who have been saying just a warm wish, even those who have invested real, you know, monies to make sure we push this. I'm really grateful and looking at the next 10 years, that will be 20 years. I just want us to be in that global space. I'm also hoping that I'll be doing more of the high level work for this institution and, um, letting someone else lead on the ground while mm. i i take on more of the global space to make sure that i channel resources uh on the ground i i really love to to work in spaces where decisions are made <laughs> mm. so, so i'm hoping yeah. that um, uh, my journey takes me to those spaces where i actually can direct funding to Gallup and other organizations so i, I really look at myself even beyond the other 10 years uh, in terms of being a philanthropist, and um, mm. already I am because a philanthropist is someone who cares about humanity and is doing something around yeah. it. So beyond that, yeah. I am a philanthropist. But I know that power is such a powerful tool, and a power and money. So I look forward to getting to those spaces where I can use my voice to influence resources coming to communities on the ground, Gallup being one of them and other spaces as well, because I really believe in community-led, community-driven development. There's just so much that changes when you direct money straight on the ground. And I've seen it, I've lived it, I've worked around it. Now that I know it, I need to get to a space where I I channel that money Mm -hmm. to the right spaces.
0: Mm -hmm. Those are my bigger dreams. I see this so much and to have people like you in those positions of making those decisions and seeing girl up in the work that you're doing scaling out to reaching beyond Uganda I wonder if the name will change (laughs) or we'll always keep the name as a reminder it started I think the name
1: will stay as Gallup Initiative in the different countries can say let's say Kenya Yes. But knowing that it's the Gallup initiative that started in Uganda,
0: I'm realizing we never really talked about the work that Girl Up does. I shared your vision and your mission. Yet, yeah, could you just share what does Girl Up do? And there's a, the proverb of if you educate a man, you educate a man. If you educate a girl or a woman, you educate a community. Can you talk yeah. about, I know those are two big questions. So maybe tell us about what Girl Up does. And yet that's really what it's all about, isn't it? You educate a girl. Yes, it is.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I believe so that when you educate a girl, you transform the entire village. And I'm one of those examples that went to school and I'm transforming an entire country and the globe in, in in my different right. And so that is just to re-echo what Gallup does, that Gallup really thrives to ensure that we position girls to to thrive through our different programming. Our programs are centered around the personal empowerment for girls and young women. The fact that we live in a patriarchal country per se, you find that as a girl is born, there's just so much biases and stereotypes that are already, already posed to her. So a girl goes to school uh, that she needs to learn how to communicate, needs to learn how to raise her hand. Like everything doesn't come automatically because the environment itself doesn't allow that to happen automatically. And so GALAP works predominantly with adolescent girls in terms of their personal empowerment because we believe that it starts with self before someone can even recognize the different knowledge, the different skills, the different tools. Everyone has to first be in touch with themselves. So we do run a year long program where girls get to appreciate themselves for being them, uh, whether it's their color, whether it's their body size, whether it's about any physical features, whether it's about their family. And then from there, we move towards Helping them understand the environment around them, to understand issues around gender based violence, understand the issues of, around sexual violence, which is quite predominant, especially in school environments, and of course, gender based violence in home environments where they both survive. We go ahead and talk about for them understanding their rights as children so that, again, in case of violence and harassment, they understand that it's okay to report. Uh, for them to understand that it's okay for them to set goals, no no matter how ambitious, for them to dream. So that even as they're in school, they're really sowing that seed of purposefulness that we talked about. Sometimes a child will ask you that, what do you want to be? I want to be an astronaut. I want to be... And for you as a parent, you're looking at a world of impossibilities. Mm -hmm. As a child, they're looking at worlds of possibilities. So our role is to make sure that girls see worlds of possibilities so that they don't aspire just to be housewives, that they don't aspire just to be the nurses, the doctors. It's great, but just to show them the world is so huge, yeah. you know, you can be anything that you want to be. And of course, that program is followed by what we call the Big Sisters Network that absorbs girls who go through this year-long program, again, for their continued mentorship we know that mentorship is not a one-off and different ages different seasons pose different challenges so it's important that we recognize the different phases of um, mentorship growth and all that so that big sister network gives girls space to interact with other girls challenge themselves through what we call a big sister residential camp which is a space that most girls Will work so hard to make sure they're on the list of girls who go for that. Because for some of them, it's the first time they are leaving a slam community into a serene place. For some of them, it's the first time they are hearing, they're meeting girls from other schools who have also gone through the same program. And I know that even as adults, sometimes when we feel burnt out and we we take like a road trip or a vacation or go meet our peers, it refills your energy. So for us, The big sister network is one that refills the energies of the girls to keep going, knowing that I could be in this school, uh, but my challenges are quite similar to another girl in the other school and she's still moving forward. I can as well keep moving forward. And of course over the years we've learned that we can't only work with girls. So we have a program called the boy champion project. And this one is really to, to bring boys on board as um, as agents of gender equality, because we want to work towards ensuring that we create safer environments for girls, whether they are safer school environments, home environments. So given that these boys are raised in these typical patriarchal environments, it's important to create space for them to have conversations, for them to challenge their own stereotypes, but for them to recognize that they can be a different generation of men Yes. Who recognize that girls are equally important in, in, in the equation of life and, and just saying, how can they show up differently as young men? So yeah. we also want to make sure that our results are sustainable so that we are not just growing a generation of girls with broken men. We need yeah. to know make sure that as girls tap into their best versions of themselves, the men they meet, the boys they meet in the class, understand, appreciate, celebrate them. Yes. Then, of course, over the years, we've learned that uh, there are critical gatekeepers that can either ensure that our approach or our work is more sustainable or not. So we work with religious leaders, cultural leaders, and other community stakeholders to ensure that they uphold the principles of, of child protection. They uphold... The issue of girls' education, so that we are not living in a in an environment where teachers and parents appreciate the information, but probably a religious leader gets to a pulpit and is speaking the opposite. And yet, from the culture I'm coming from, religious leaders are are quite a respectable group of, of, of people. So even working with parents, we do not want to have a scenario where a parent feels like this girl is too empowered. This girl is mm-hmm. answering me and looking straight into my eye because that's not the normal. One parent who recognize that it's a good thing for your girl to speak out. It's a good thing for your girl to report. It's a good thing for your girl to participate. And just helping them appreciate that in relation to their educational outcomes. Because oftentimes, most parents are worried about grades, but showing them how important personal empowerment is in relation to achieving those educational goals that parents care about. So that's what Gallup does. It's really deep rooted in the community, run by the community. Yeah. We have 30 team members, but we have about 300 community people that run the programs in the different, because we can't do it alone. We have to do it with other volunteers that are, yeah. are willing to put in time and and support us in this journey. Yeah. So definitely when you empower one girl, you can imagine one girl, one woman transformed. So the belief is the lives of girls touched. We believe that those are families touched.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: As a girl mm-hmm. is touched, the quality of a family is touched. Yes. Then we are able to address issues of, of climate change. We're able to address reproductive health issues because these girls are knowledgeable, they're educated. They will be hopefully ready to say, I, I don't want to get married or I want to get married. This is the number of kids I want to have. So in terms of looking at the... The long last, the sustainable outcomes in terms of quality of life. I mean, there's just so much that a woman is in charge of in this planet that it's only fair that we invest in them. Then we are growing a more sustainable climate or environment, however much you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And the
0: systemic change and the deep rooted programming and beliefs that you are helping. The girls, the boys, the culture unlearn and recognize like these new, these different ways of being. They're not bad. They're just a whole different way of cultivating that leadership within these girls and the boys. And I loved. When I was there and getting to meet with the girls and have these experiences with them of seeing and learning how this whole idea of you educated girl, you educated community, like they'd be so excited to leave a day with the coaches of the Girl Up team, where they might have been learning about reproductive health, so, you know, whatever the topic matter, they were so excited to go home and share it with their sisters, their neighbors, their cousins, their their moms, their aunt, you know, whoever was interested. And and that's and, and so it spread and then they become big sisters and are mentoring. And so just that the ripple effect of the conversations and the change, it's just hugely important and inspiring. Oh, and the girls who got to teach a class to boys about making their own reusable menstrual pads. Like, again, that was just like something that's been taboo now being brought out in a more like, let's yeah. learn about this together. So inspiring. So for listeners, I just want to let you know, I've so inspired Monica by you and the dream team and all that you're up to I have one other question for you, but we're wrapping up here. I just want to let listeners know that you can find out more about Monica and the dream team and the amazing work they're doing at girlupuganda.org. If you're feeling inspired, you want to donate, whether that's finances or time or skill, or just connect with them on social to, you know, see what they're up to. There's ways to get involved and to contribute to the great work that they're doing. And this bigger vision of becoming known beyond Uganda. So check that out. And before we go, Monica, I'm curious, who is a brave woman that inspires you?
1: The brave woman that inspires me. Wow. There are quite many are quite I many imagine, but i'll yeah. start locally i think one of the bravest women that inspires me is my mother that um through this work her attitudes has equally been transformed like she has so much respect and belief for girls and just knowing there's so much you can achieve and um being being that uh I I began doing this work when my child was really young. Uh, she's really offered me that support system to to do what I have to do, knowing that she will take care of my son. I just want to celebrate her her braveness as well. That um, she's that change that you're seeing. But again, saying I will support you in this journey as you as you find yourself as you as as you try to to achieve so much in the globe go i'll take care of your business right here i'm so grateful for that uh the other brave woman that i really want to shine a light on is um connie viveros yes i know you've met connie i think for me she's one of those Women who believed in me, believed in Gallup as I started this journey. And she's one who has invested her time, her energy, her love, unlimitlessly to support me. And, and I mean, she's really supported me in all fronts, not just Gallup, but me as a person. And she's one person keeps saying that if I can take care of you, then you can take care of Gallup. So the same thing, that if I can invest in you as a person, then you're able to show up to Gallup's work in, in full circle. I really want to celebrate her. I, I know I've not spoken about her in these podcasts. I, I wouldn't want to talk about the celebrities that really are brave. I know you all know those celebrities that we've met in this space. Yeah. I really want to shine a light on some of the the unsung heroes in my life Uh, and just saying that um, these women have loved me for, for me. And by offering me that love and filling my cup as I feel it myself, I've been able to show up in the world in ways that I've never imagined. I remember when I started up together with my team, I called up Connie, I'm like, I'm doing this. She's like, go for it, I'll support you. And I'm like, wow, like, wow. And indeed, over the years, she's she's worked by me side by side, irrespective of, whatever it is, she, mm-hmm. she's been present. And I just want to say she's a brave woman because she has no reason to do all this, but because of love and just appreciating that, And I think she's one person who keeps saying, I see you in the globe. I see your voice in the globe. Mm. I mean, I can't can't take that for granted. I just want to celebrate people that in ordinary, you may not hear about, but it's, I think the ordinary people oftentimes that that uh, push us to, our, to the best selves. Because by the time we meet global icons, we've gone through the mentorship and support of ordinary people. What I would call, quote unquote, mm-hmm. they're not really ordinary, but so in adaptive. people's eyes, they are yeah. ordinary. Yeah. But I think they're the ones who play the biggest share of keeping us going, of, of, of just saying you can do it, you go for it. I mean, I just want to, celebrate all these unsung heroes. And of course, I mean, I may not even remember all of them, but I've met so many amazing people in this journey that just believe in me. And I'm
0: like, okay, I'll keep going. Yeah. 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 Cause it, it takes, you know, there's that expression. It takes a village to raise a child and it takes a yeah. village and more to raise a mission and support that leadership and that movement. So I am mm-hmm. so inspired Monica, by you and this conversation. And thank you so much for spending all this time with me. And anything else you want to share before we go? Just to appreciate everyone
1: listening in and uh, enjoying this conversation and just to encourage everyone that uh, you are brave. Within you, you're brave, even when you feel like you're not that brave, I think there is a starting point. And uh, you can always start by recognizing it because we are all here after navigating the pan- the pandemic because we are brave in our own right. And just to encourage everyone that you are a leader. And like I said, leadership is not about titles. It's about those values that we live with, that we uphold and uh, sharing with the world. So... Yeah, just to recognize and say thank you so much, Megan, for, I mean, for supporting Gallup from the time you invested your time, your energy, your resources. You're one of our amazing cheerleaders in the world. And uh, it's such an honor that, uh, I mean, we reconnect because we've been in this together and you're in this, you know it absolutely well. So just to appreciate the opportunity for both of us who really love this institution to connect and just share whatever we've been able to share with the world.
0: Yeah, such an honor. I feel so deeply honored. So thank you so much for being with us. And until the next time, thanks for tuning in, listeners. Bye-bye. And that's a wrap. Or is it? If you're like me and you want to continue these conversations, come on over and join the free Brave Women, Brave Living Facebook group where we're having conversations that cultivate courage. And before you go, I have a request and a reminder. If you'd be willing to share this episode with the women in your world, subscribe and leave a five-star review. That will help me reach more women. this message of brave living i have a sense they'll thank you and i thank you too now for the reminder brave living is not about being fearless it's about noticing the fear summoning your courage and doing the thing anyway You're amazing. Thank you for tuning in. I look forward to seeing you in the Facebook group on the next episode. And until then, be brave, be wild, and have so much fun being the magic that is you.